Welcome to the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast, covering agriculture and all things related in East Carroll, Madison, Tinsall, Concordia, and Catahoula Parishes. Hello everyone and thanks again for listening to another episode of the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast. Um, My name is Kylie Miller and today we are joined with the crew. We've got Dennis Burns and um, Bruce Garner and Mr. R.L. Frazier here today and we also have special guests um, with the Louisiana Farm Bureau, Mr. Andy Brown and Mr. Carl Wiggs. Appreciate y'all being here and I'm going to start by letting y'all introduce yourselves and um, go from there. Sure. Well, uh, I'm Andy Brown. I'm the National Affairs Coordinator and a Commodity Director for Farm Bureau. Uh, and then I also have my, my Twyla buddy here, Carl Wiggers. I'm actually a Northeast Louisiana boy, so it's nice to come home. Uh, I consider this home, even though it's, Tensaw is not home. But uh, yeah, so I work on the PR department, in the PR department there in Baton Rouge, and we do things from this week in Louisiana agriculture, we have podcasts also that we talk about, you know, grassroots issues and politics and all the fun things and, uh, that we do at the Farm Bureau. So thank y'all for having us and I'm excited to, I, I say excited, it's not fun to talk about this kind of stuff because... No, it's not good. <laughs> it's not well, pretty out there. Well, that's a good lead into what I guess we want to talk about today. And Dennis, I'll, I'm looking at you, okay. so I'll let you start. What, do right. you, what are you seeing? Okay, an update on where we're at, because we have been able to get in the field last week. Uh, scattered across the parish over the weekend, this past weekend. Some places had no rain, some places had two inches plus. Uh, but they have harvested some beans. Beans go from... Uh, not harvestable, or they're harvesting, not been able to sell them. Um, I talked to one grower, and he was cutting in the 50s with an average, probably pushing 20% damage. Um, there, some people have had beans uh, brought in, they just didn't take them. And uh, Milo, what Milo we do have here in the parish, uh, most, probably almost 100% of it was damaged. Uh, I know here on the station, we cut, what well, we cut here, the trials we cut was 67% day. And uh, cotton, there has been a little cotton picked. Uh, it was in the waterproof area between a bale and a bale and a half. Now it was impacted by the drought from early in the summer. And now the, this flood, the rains was just, you know, added just to the problem. So, and corn, there's Cutting a little corn. Some of it's sprouted. That's so. that's what we're seeing where we're at. Um, man, the exact same thing. I don't think any cotton's been picked yet, but like y'all were talking about, it's kind of unknown. I mean, there'll be some issues with that. Um, I mean, they're working on their corn. I mean, we had some beans with 30 or more percent damage. I mean, they're, they look they look awful. Um, you know, and it's, it's real unfortunate because the majority of our bean crop was ready right now so we're looking at a lot of acres of beans and um so everyone who's got beans is really going through this right now and we grow a lot of those um you know i I looked at some milo i don't even think it's worth putting a combine in the field i mean every seed is sprouted i mean i've got some bad pictures of it but i I don't see you i don't see anything happening with that every every seed is sprouted in in the head of that so um but, you know, same story. I mean, we've gotten rain every day. It's been crow- uh, cloudy every day. Um, 
you know, no, everybody's just trying to figure out what the best thing to do is. And it's, it's been a lot of hard decisions to make. So. Well, in my neck of the woods in West Carolina Morehouse, um, it's kind of like everybody else. We were finishing up corn. Um, we were, you know, really dependent on where you were at in the two parishes. We had some areas that uh, on the ridge that, that was light soil that, that drained off and, um, did okay with. We had some areas on the bottom ends of the field that was the corn and held us up. Um, our soybean crop is, I hate to say it like this, but it is all over the place in yields. It's all over the place in damage. It's all over the place in what we're seeing um, for the future. You know, as far as what what the next harm, you know, the next few weeks or the next few days are going to be. Um, cotton cotton wise. Uh, Bottom crop looking rough, um, seeing some sprouting in some of the bottom crop. Um, middle to the top of the plant, we're seeing hard lock um, in, some, in some bowls. So that's that's not looking encouraging, but yet look in some fields and it seems to be right on schedule. That's on some of those sandier, lighter grounds that drain well, um, that, that took the, the, the water okay. Um, some of my rice areas, uh, we had some levees blown out. From, from, I guess you put 13 inches of rain in the field and the, and the levees are going to go. Uh, we're probably getting real close to, to, to putting some combines in some rice fields maybe this week. Um, so we're looking, you know, uh, they're okay there. I kind of hold my breath on my sweet potato crop right now. I've got sweet potatoes in West Carolina and Morehouse. Uh, you know, if, 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 um, I need dry ground, dry, dry weather, um, and some wind blowing, um, what we're seeing, we're not harvesting potatoes yet. We're still probably a week to 10 days out before we start potato harvest. Um, we still have the potential for some drying to take place and our potatoes to be okay. But we're probably gonna lose some yield. Um, potatoes are gonna start breaking down in that, in that anaerobic saturated soil. Um, so you know, that's, that's kind of yet, it's kind of like cotton, it's yet to be seen. Um, it's, um, I hate to be Debbie Downer, but it's a tough time right now. Everybody, yeah, man. Uh, RL and then the Madison and the uh, East Carroll, kind of a ditto. What everybody's been saying, you know, I was out of town this weekend, so I don't know. But driving in this morning, it was ironic. You'd see a flooded field, then half mile down the road, you'd see them working a the field. It's dry, and then another half mile, you'd see flooded again. So it's the rain came through this weekend while I was gone. Hit certain spots. Same thing, bean yields anywhere. Bean yields seem to have been holding respectively, you know, 60 plus yields, but the damage could have been anywhere from 10 to 20% at that time. Uh, and, and of course, you know, we did have, as of last week, most of them were fitting into that 10 to 20% damage. Few going over 25, but I would, be, would not be surprised over the weekend what they were able to get in some of that part of the crop that was a little little wetter, a little heavier soil, took them a little longer to get into, may have a little more damage than what the early reports were. Corn, most of our corn was cut prior to this. You know, there, there wasn't 100%, I think my last report was 85% harvested. So I think we're okay on our corn. Uh, cotton, What, like Bruce said, what I've looked at looks, you got hard locks, you got rotten bowls, you got some that's just hanging in the bowl and the least little bump it falls out. 
Uh, I was looking, had a potential for what, 14, 1500 pound cotton. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. probably down to 800 pounds or less now. If it's looking like it's looking, then again, some of it still looks great. Uh, one thing that hadn't been mentioned, Bruce, was peanuts. So we, we were anticipating digging peanuts probably the 15th of September. They're still staying wet. Yeah. <laughs> Don't not experienced enough with peanuts to know will they eventually go to rotting and I mean uh, sprouting in the ground. I, I feel like they will. I've, I've talked to a, a peanut producer of mine in Morehouse Parish. Um, it really, it, I hate to keep coming back to soil type, but that, you know, the peanut ground is going to be a lighter soil. Yeah. And usually that, that lighter soil equates to better drainage. But the bottom ends of the field, I, I said it jokingly a time or two, you know, the first five inches of rain, we did okay. That second five, and then what came after that second five is what has tightened up mm -hmm. a, lot of, a lot of ground. Kind of some, some peanuts, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's kind of unprecedented. That's not hard for us to do because we're not a real big peanut grower. Right, and we've not had a lot of experience. Lot of experience we don't know. It. You know, white mold, we were seeing a little bit of white mold before, um, the rain events that that's gonna that was gonna add a shot of a fungicide into our peanut um, crop. So we were seeing some potential of some disease before the rain. Um, I looked at some peanuts this past Friday. Um, it looks like the disease level is kind of holding steady, um, which was to be honest with you was kind of a surprise because I expected after the rain, the warmer temperatures we start seeing some more white mold showing up in, in the crop. It's kind of what I'm seeing. It, it kind of hit there. It's there more than we've had in the past, but it's not at a devastation yet. Right. I mean, it's still manageable and it's not going to hurt us, but it's more of it. I'm more worried about, and, and it's strictly an unknown on my part, will peanuts in this saturation begin to sprout? I do I, not know. It's, it's going to be it's a, a new one to me. Somebody listening may call in and say that dummy, it, yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. But, but it, <laughs> it's strictly lack of experience on our part. Yeah, well, we don't grow peanuts We're majority here. Right. It's, it's a new crop for right. us. John, I did the highly technical, you know, sharp sugar show, you know, soil, soil work this, this past weekend. I've done it in three, four different soil types. Uh, I mentioned this earlier. Um, you, know, you take a sharp shoe shovel and you start digging down, you start out in mud. You get down about four inches and you get into some pretty good, you know, water holding capacity, probably at, you know, at maximum um, or there close to ideal. And you go down a little bit further, get down about eight inches, eight, eight to nine inches, and you're, you're almost ideal soil. And you get down to about 12 inches and we're bone dry. I mean, that was, that was so striking for me. And that's kind of telling to what we've had in the past two or three weeks. We've gone from flood to from drought to flood to to showing that we're still dry. Um, I've only been doing this county agent work for about 20 years now, 15, 10 years, 10, 15 years, depends on how you count it. <laughs> but I don't think I can ever remember a time, or you've been around longer than I have, where, where we have the decrepit old man. But seriously, I can't remember a time. Yeah, I've been around agriculture all my life. We've had no, this. what we've seen in the past is hurricane season. Hurricane it would down. hit us, mm -hmm. do what it's going to do in a week, and you're out of there and you live with it. And there was dragging on, prolonging, creating a problem that we're seeing here, and it's unprecedented. So, 
In 13, 14 days of rain straight. Yeah. My father-in-law was saying in the mid-80s that he didn't think, I don't remember if it was a storm or, or something, I can't remember what he was talking about, but he could he could smell the rotten beans mm-hmm. when he was harvesting. I mean, you, you can smell it when you can pull up to the field. I mean, you know, but um, well, he had, hadn't had anything like this since then. So. I reckon that's a good lead-in for our guests to tell us how they're going to save us. Well, one, <laughs> no pressure, guys. No pressure at all. I think one thing we can say is certainly unprecedented with this crop is the expense that's gone into the crop and then to lose it all right here at the end. And that's what um, we heard. You know, we're hearing every day. Our, our phones are blowing up uh, just like y'all's are. But that's why we wanted to come. I was listening to y'all's podcast last week when all y'all were updating about the crop in this region. And, uh, and I guess I did a poor job of, of introduction to assume that everybody knows what Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation is or does, but uh, we're the largest general farm organization in the state. Our tagline is the voice of Louisiana agriculture. And most folks probably do know this, but we really pride ourselves on working with the Ag Center, working with Commissioner Strain, kind of a three-legged stool for when these kind of things happen uh, to, to elevate that voice for every single farmer all across the state uh, to to either Baton Rouge or in this instance, more than likely uh, is all the way to Washington D.C. So my role uh, is is in that realm. Not I used to be uh, in a previous life in the extension role, so I can respect what y'all are doing and saying. But uh, what we try to do is be that voice for the farmer, so they can they can get that crop out of the field, and that's what we have been doing. We wanted to come share with y'all's audience. Uh, so. We've, we've heard the news and we already were concerned about the cost of this crop. Uh, we've been out, Carl's team with uh, This Week in Louisiana Agriculture will have some of that coverage on their show. We'll probably talk about here in a minute, but um, we know where things are at, but the way this process goes, it's about quantifying where we're at. And unfortunately, everybody knows the government moves pretty slow uh, when it comes to to disaster aid, but just to break that down real quick, what we have done and are hoping to do, uh, the way disaster declarations work is there's a few different uh, leaders in the state who can call on Secretary of Agriculture, Tom Vilsack, to declare a disaster uh, for certain causes of loss. In this case, it would likely be excess moisture. We don't have a name storm we don't have a wind event, but for disaster programs, excess moisture should qualify us. But uh, ultimately, Farm Service Agency has to determine that in any given parish, there's a 30% or greater loss in any particular crop. Well, as of uh, last week, we put in a request officially between Farm Bureau, uh, Commissioner Strain, and Louisiana Cotton and Grain Association sent a formal letter to Governor Edwards requesting that he request to Secretary Vilsack a disaster declaration. And we just put for the state because uh, we know the the bulk of our crop acreage, our soybean acreage is in this part of the world, but we we have issues, you know, in the Red River Valley, we had drought over that direction. We've had a wet harvest down south, but uh, we're up here because we know there's a lot of damage up here and a lot of really good crop uh, that's turned south in a hurry. So that's where we're at. We've put in that request. We expect 
hopefully by the time this podcast goes out, that 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 request has been made from the governor's office. And then from there, uh, we really do rely on the Ag Center to be that huge uh, piece of this to collect data. Uh, Dr. Kirk Guidry uh, always does a great job as an ag economist of putting those numbers together. But I think y'all can probably speak to how that that Mm -hmm. y'all are called upon to try to quantify some of that too. Oh, yeah. We, we, we get a, you know, Dr. Gibby sends us, I, I, you know, I, I hate to say it this way, but it seems like it's a couple times a year, every year, mm-hmm. um, asking us to, um, to to give him an overview of our parishes. And sometimes it'll be specific, some of the cattle, sometimes it'll be specifically row crop, um, to say, what is your loss? What are your damages, percentage, percent of damage per acre, and how many acres you have? Um, and that's something that we, we we look at every every time we you know we, we get that request. How does that can I ask this real quick? How does that work? Do y'all call every farmer in the parish? Or are y'all reaching out to the big guys that for, for me in my parish, my two parishes, what I'll do is I'll I'll poll I'll poll different farmers to see, okay, what are you looking at? And a lot of it is windshield time. Mm-hmm. I mean you get out and you start you start driving mm-hmm. and you know you know who owns this this part of a, of a, of a parish, you, you may have a majority you know, crop crop holder or crop land farmer, mm-hmm. the land may be owned by somebody else, but it's farmed by somebody else. So you, you just kind of, well, I need to call so-and-so because I looked at this part of the parish and I see a lot of damage here. So it's kind of spot by spot? Spot or? by spot or where we're seeing damage at. Because, I mean, honestly, you know, like in West Carroll Parish, in this, in this event, I literally, from one end of the parish to the other, go from 10 inches to 14 inches so i may across that whole parish i can ask a few people on the north end and i go start talking to the majority of my folks from the south end mm-hmm. it's kind of the same thing i think that's i don't know what it's, everybody yeah. that's what similar I, deal yeah i mean windshield time one-on-one observation uh phone calls phone calls mm-hmm. uh Call a grain elevator the other day. Hey, what yeah. you see? Yeah, it just seems like a lot of data to bring in and a lot it's, of work, a lot of footwork. You look at it, it does. I mean, and, and a lot of times if you're just, what I say, if I'm doing my job, just visiting and talking with them and checking on them and seeing what's going on, just let them tell me. Not even have to ask them. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, well, you'll get a, I hate to say it, you'll get a straighter answer if you just let them lead them up, let, mm-hmm. them, let them tell you about it. But if you ask them what kind of damage you get, oh, man. Yeah. It's yeah. awful. I mean, and it is. Don't get me wrong, but sometimes, you know, that they'll really get worse. You got to be careful. Mm-hmm. Well, I called Saturday. I was going down the road. I'd been up here at the station. was going back to the house. And um, I passed. They were sitting up. They were all sitting on the tailgates drunk waiting on the dew drive. There's three combines in the field. So I, I saw one of them go by and he waved, you know, was going by. And I called him. I said, Okay, what's it yielding? What's the damage? Yields were around 50 bushels. Damage was 15 to 20%. But they had also had fields that had been turned, trucks turned down. And he, he just said, I don't know what it's going. And I think that's a lot of what we're seeing, especially we don't know right now. We can't say 100%. This is what it is, how bad it's going to be. We know it's real bad. Well, and that's something I really want to clarify on here is there's there's really two processes going on at once. So we have uh, we have what we do from Farm Bureau to the Ag Center, 
with the commissioner. All of these are really building a political case uh, when it comes down to actual secretarial disaster declaration. That's handled through USDA. So we're you know we all support their efforts and try to provide information when called upon. But ultimately, um, when we get Dr. Gidry to put together uh, disaster estimates, that's to give to our congressional delegation. That's to give to uh, other states and their congressional delegations to educate on what's, it, it's a little more proactive. FSA has to be hard numbers for sure. Combines have been in the field, pickers have been in the field, and that's the frustrating part. That's the calls that I'm getting, you know, and, it, and that's why we want to let y'all know that we are doing what we can do from a Farm Bureau perspective, but it may not look like that for a little while. Uh, it's, it's just the unfortunate truth that disaster aid is not immediate, and it's, it's a very tough ask because we have a farm bill, we have crop insurance, and for certain uh, larger acreage parts of the country, they don't have five straight years of indemnities in their crop, so it doesn't look the same. And so that's why we are a part of a national, you know, American Farm Bureau. That's why we work beyond just our Louisiana congressional delegations because we have to educate a lot of people about what raising a crop looks like down here. And the question, and I think I know the answer, but I just want to make sure as we go for this the disaster declaration, it's more than just Louisiana governor saying, yeah, we got a disaster, and the Louisiana congressman saying, yeah, we got one and it happened. It takes all 50 states, the, the congressmen from all 50 states to agree and vote that, yeah, they got a disaster? Well, or just on the majority. Let me read so there's kind of, there's, it's a good question. So if we get that disaster declaration from the Secretary of Ag, the only immediate help that'll be out there is low interest loans through USDA. Anything beyond that, actual subsidy, any sort of, you know, uh, aid in form of, of, of a check would take congressional action, congressional appropriations. And so that's a really good lead and some other information I want to share and clarify uh, is You'll hear in the news, and I've already gotten calls, well, Andy, you know, that Congress has to pass a continuing resolution in September. They have to fund the government in September to keep the government open. Well, that's ahead of a very important election in November, and uh, it's not going to have any, any new money. Uh, you've got, in the Senate side, you've got appropriations chairs that are both retiring. They don't want to cause a big ruckus. Uh, as they're on their way out, and both sides are are just going to agree to punt. Um, and you know that doesn't mean we're not going to fight to try to squeeze in something in September to get you know a little more immediate help for for our folks. But the reality is, it's it's going to be a little while for anything beyond just low interest loans. Now, there's some outside of the, the crops that we talk about here today. You know for livestock or specialty crops. There might be some standing farm bill disaster programs, but really for excess moisture, you're talking about soybeans, corn, milo, cotton. You, you either have crop insurance or you, you know, hopefully you might have crop insurance and disaster to make up that difference. But that's going to be, we've seen that. We're, we're just now paying out disaster aid 
from 2020, 2021. So it's no, it's a long process. That's not, that, that's that's not kind of somebody cold either. And that's kind of what I was hearing from my producers as we talk. There is no disaster money, no disaster payment no more. It's strictly insurance. And we don't know if we can survive on just the insurance. Well, and that we've actually had research done through the, the Ag Econ Department with the Ag Center. Uh, it's funded by the Louisiana Soybean and Grain Research and Promotion Board to look at what differences, what that means for, say, a, you know, a Mid-South corn and soybean farmer. Is crop insurance really making up that difference? Is that really affordable? Is my premium at a 65, 70% buy-up? Is that really giving me an adequate safety net when year after year I'm I'm having to trigger that? You know, no no business can operate at 65, 70, 75% revenue for five years in a row. And that's that's where we're at. I mean, that's I've been in this job uh four years now and every year i've been going to congress and beating this drum which is is unfortunate and it's scary but uh we do want folks to know that we are doing that we don't we don't sit back and wait we're trying to be you know out there and i think that's also what we wanted to encourage through this today is for the listeners for the farmers the ones that call on us to tell that story and that's what, what Carl and his team can help you do um, through different avenues. I don't know if you want to speak to that. But. Well, I don't want to move on from this. If there are other questions, because that was a great question. Uh, and, I, and that's actually a question I asked Andy on the way here. I was like, well, what's, what does this process look like? And that's something Andy is really good about teaching me. And it's, I really enjoy that about our podcast is I'm just constantly learning what this what does this look like? So if there were any other questions. Yeah, I kind of had a follow-up on that one, and we maybe alluded to a little bit of this before we went on air, was prior to this rain event, weren't we working on a disaster from a drought? <laughs> so you can imagine how that looks. Yeah, that's that's kind of inside baseball. We were, we were working with Governor Edwards to make a request on disaster aid for those, more so for those other crops that right. trigger out of a farm bill program, not this ad hoc right. disaster. Uh, and so to, to turn around and we, we ended up getting some rain and then the places that are in real bad shape triggered through D3 drought. So it, things moved quickly. Well, then all of a sudden, uh, y'all have been telling it, we've told it this morning already, out of nowhere, we get 10 to 20 something inches of rain all in a week's time. And it, it had no name. There was no yeah. Even it's not a hurricane. Tropical it's, depression, yeah, so and so. Yeah. It just was a low pressure system and clouds and and no wind. But uh so that that makes it even more important to to kind of educate on this. But uh yeah, we were we were had our finger on the trigger on a on a drought request and then lo and behold we we had to pivot. And so that's that's kind of some of the things that are making this a little slower, making sure we're Dotting our eyes and crossing our T's. He's holding his hand up. This is the perfect segue into what I was going to. I actually, so my wife and I just adopted. I'm not going to talk about that, but I've been on paternity leave for a few weeks. And literally, the last story I did before all this happened was a farmer in Waterproof who was begging for a rain. Mm -hmm. And now here we are. I'm on the other side of this and now we're doing this, this everything's shifted and it's just like, what the heck? But that's one of the things. So unfortunately, Andy and I were talking about this on the way up this morning was 
it's kind of disheartening being a farm kid growing up in agriculture. One of the main times that we do, you know, we come out to farms and do stories for this week in Louisiana agriculture is when something's not good. And it's kind of like, it's really a downer a lot of times doing these stories, but it's important and it has value. And I think uh, I'm always really like appreciative of these farmers that let us onto their farms. And, and y'all know this, y'all have the access you guys have uh, to farms and the farmers and the insight that you get from them is incredible. But a lot of times I'll have farmers let me on their farms and just bear their hearts and, and show me all their stories. Andy, you were up, up this way a couple of weeks ago with uh, Neil, one of my coworkers, and y'all were just looking at this, you know, sprouted beans and it's just disheartening. But that's what we do is tell that story so that when Andy and uh, other, I mean, even if you get, like when y'all go to DC or you go to the, the Baton Rouge, you have a farmer, a name that you can put with, with this disaster and you have video and, and photos of, of this disaster and, and then the nuts and bolts, the, the numbers of how this is impacting. So that's what we try to do in our TV show this week in Louisiana Agriculture. Um, I like to believe that a lot of people are familiar with it, but maybe not. Uh, but it's a weekly TV show that we put out that tells the story of agriculture. And unfortunately, right now, the story is pretty grim. Uh, I mentioned this before we started recording, but not only here in the, the Delta, the northeast corner of the state, but even down in South Louisiana, there are rice farmers that are pushed, you know, that they're they're not even, some of them aren't going to get second crops, which is something they really depend heavily on. But because they're harvesting so late and it's such a mess that they're harvesting in there and making such a mess in their fields. So it's really impacting there, there are stories across the state of how weather is impacted this fall. Um, but definitely here in this, 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 this corner of the state, we're seeing it. I mean, just driving in, y'all have all said the same thing, but that's a story we like, we hate to tell, but we like to use um, our platform to shine a light on that, even if it's a, an ugly story to tell, because that needs, a story needs to be told and we need make this plea also i know i mean we deal with it all the time a lot of times farmers will love to have us out and show how ugly it is a lot of times farmers don't want to also it's it's it sucks to tell that story so if you're a farmer listening to this and we ever call on you it's not fun but we're doing this and the job we do is is for the farmers to tell their story and and this it's very important because Andy and I and you guys even can go all day long and talk to anybody that, that will listen. But when the farmer speaks up and tells that story, and that's it, it's it's can be so. whether it's it's a news story, you know, a TV or or social media, but also the what we were talking about earlier when y'all call on these guys for accurate information and for timely information. I just want folks to know that that really does. I mean, like I just said, I've been going for five straight years to Congress and I've had the week this rain was occurring. I had three. No. Well, I had three reps and a senator all traveling around with the Farm Bureau wanting to hear from farmers directly that this really does make it to their desk and they do utilize it. They use Dr. Guidry's survey. And if we didn't have that, we have them tell us time after time that if they didn't have that, they wouldn't. It's what sets us apart. It's the only way that we get anything done is the state that we are, the crop mix that we have, the acreage that we have. We fight above our weight class because we have that partnership and we have that information that's that's out there. 
and it <clears throat> unfortunately, as we all, we we said a little bit earlier, um, if we don't continue to do that, we're already dealing with a little numbness to these kind of things. But y'all been getting the calls. I've been getting the calls. This is real impact. This is real uh, tough times, and it's it's national security. It's economic security for these little communities like St. Joe, where we're at today. And one kind of final thing on that that I want to say, I'm known to be a tell it like it is kind of guy. And we also want folks to know in this corner of the state, it took Carl and I two, two and a half hours from Baton Rouge today, but y'all are not forgotten in this corner of the state. Farm Bureau is very much interested in raising this corner of the state just as much as any other corner. So we want that to be um, known in, in this part of the world and know that this partnership with the Ag Center works up here just like it does anywhere in the state uh, and it's very important. So uh, keep calling, don't just call us, but call, uh, we've had interest. I had calls this morning from state representatives and senators You know, in the legislature, what can we do? Uh, Congresswoman Letlow has been super supportive. It's going to take that whole effort, and and there's no guarantees that it's going to get across the finish line, but we're going to continue to, to push and do all we can do to make that happen. And I know I said that was the last thing, but I got one more thing because I get to go. And, this is Andy, y'all. Hey, he fits right in with the rest of us. <laughs> it's almost farm bill time, and uh, we've what I'm painting the picture of is we've had five years with a lot of questions as to whether this safety net is working. And so I personally, I, you know, the Ag Center may be limited in what they can do as far as uh, lobbying for a farm bill, but I'm not. And I need to know for those listeners out there what you think works and what doesn't and how we can make it better. Because if we just rely on this year after year, uh, we're not going to make it. So we got to figure out a better mousetrap to try to help y'all stay in business because that's what that's what both of our entities are about, is keeping farmers in business and keeping Louisiana strong with, with our rural uh, backbone, which is farmers. Well, and like you said, five years in a row asking for ad hoc is not, clearly there's something missing in that safety net. So I just wanna make sure that's clear and, and that that's, that needs work and there's, there, there's work to be done, so. You know, as I, as I sit, here, sit here and listen to this today, I, I think of a, of a, of a story uh, everybody from the south is oral tradition and it, it's just kind of off the wall but you know bear with me when i started as a county agent <clears throat> some years ago um i had a gentleman come in and say son i want to talk i want you to talk to me about growing oak trees i said oh yes sir and this, and this gentleman was on walking with two walking canes come in my office and sit down so i get all my my information about growing oak trees and I lay it out. I talk about the different types of oak trees and different types of conditions and what would do best with this, what would do best with this. And this 80-something-year-old man reaches in his pocket and pulls out three acorn seeds. And he says, no, I want you to talk to me about growing these acorn seeds. And it stopped me. Um, we need to remember that we're planting acorns now for the next generation. And our farmers are, are those acorns. Um, so sometimes we have to nurture, we have to nurture the environment. Um, and this is one of those times when everybody needs to think about we're growing acorns. We're planting, we're planting acorns to grow oak trees for the next generation. 
Um, and it's tough sometimes for us to look at what's going on, but we can't lose sight of that big picture. Um, is that everything we do now is going to affect that next generation? Um, so it's kind of off the off the topic, but it struck me as I'm sitting here listening to everything we're saying um, for our producers. We're we're here for our producers. I think we're all around this table here for our producers. Um, I told somebody last week I wasn't sure if I was a lobbyist, a lawyer, a preacher, a therapist, <laughs> a counselor. I had all those hats last week, and I kind of sense. Some of my my uh, extension buddies in here have had a lot of that too, but that's that's part of what we're here to do as well. But ultimately, uh, the the information we're we're trying to get to y'all today is that we're fighting for you. It's just going to be uh, a long fight, not an overnight thing. Yeah, and, yeah. and we it need you to stick with us. So. Andy alluded to one thing. I was I was trying to figure out how I could say this when you're talking about we're gathering this information to go to the big pile. To make a you know for people to make decisions with, folks. When we ask you what your yields are, we're not being nosy that we're gonna run down the road tell your neighbor that Bill's cutting more than you are. We're doing this for you. Yes, we have to make reports, but we're not here to compare your yields with your neighbor. We're not doing that. It's when when we are asked for this stuff, this information. We've been visiting with you. We know what it is. We don't have to send out surveys during a time like this when you haven't got time to fill it out. Just be open and honest with us as we talk and ask for yields. It's not to compare you to your neighbor. It's a case of a disaster. We've got information already stored up to use for in your benefit, not to compare you to your neighbor. That's just my little two cents I had to put in at the end and Andy opened the door for me. <laughs> Well, I'll just give y'all a closing where we're headed. Uh, I think I think it'll be uh, a larger package next year. Uh, I know the Farm Bureau is going to be working with some a certain senator in South Dakota uh, and a, a representative in California. And then it's just a reality. We'll probably have some more disasters between now and then that will only gather more votes. But ultimately... I'm just going to plug it one last time. Continue to stay engaged with us. Uh, we, we tout grassroots for Farm Bureau's sake, and this is when that is, is the most needed. Uh, we'll continue to, to work with the Ag Center, with the commissioner, with other commodity groups, and try to keep beating this drum. But, um, you know, let us know what else you need us to be doing, and we'll, we'll do our best to do it. Well, we thank y'all today for making the journey up here. And um, again, thank y'all for all the hard work. We know we know it's been a lot, but we appreciate everything you've done so far and what, you, what you're going to be doing. So we appreciate all that. All right. Thank y'all for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week, hopefully with some much better and happier news. <laughs> the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast is produced by the LSU Ag Center Extension Service. For more information, visit the LSUAgCenter.com or contact your local extension office.